Today, the title of the message is Let's Build. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. And today we're talking about living on purpose and having a mission in life. Who knows we need a purpose? We need a mission. We need something to get out of bed for in the morning. And we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah was a man who lived between 400 and 500 BC in that time range. And the name Nehemiah means God comforts. Nehemiah had a passion that God would remember him for the good that he'd done in his life. What a great goal. What a great passion. God, remember me for the good that I've done for you in my life. Nehemiah, little book. So people are turning there, finding it. Excellent. Give me a hoy once you're there. Nehemiah, building the walls. Who loves the book of Nehemiah? What a great hero for a next generation Nehemiah was and is that we can look upon his life and learn from people like this. In Nehemiah, let's uh, catch it up here. Here we go. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2, just a little way through it says, And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So Nehemiah is getting this report. He's a cupbearer to the king of the state of his home country. It talks about here how the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. Who knows what walls and gates do for a city? They bring protection. Who knows that if walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire, if that's your arrival into the city, it tells you a lot about the city, doesn't it? If you would arrive into Cairns today and, and, and approach Cairns and there was buildings broken down everywhere, things falling apart, graffiti all over the signs, what would it tell you about the city of Cairns? It's in trouble. It's, it's struggling. And Nehemiah hears about Jerusalem. It says, so it was that when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. He began to see those walls. He began to see those gates. He began to think about the state that the people were in and he wept and he mourned for many days. So he didn't just have a tear or two. This, this what he heard about Jerusalem so moved him that, that he just couldn't get over it quickly. It, it mourned him. It grieved him on the inside. And it says, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Who knows when you see a need, the best place to turn to is God. And I love here it says, the God of heaven. Come on, heaven's a big place. Heaven's a powerful place. And the Bible says that Nehemiah, when he heard what was going on here, he turned to the God of heaven. And it talks about this prayer that he begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, he cries out to God. And at the end of his prayer, I want you to come with me. We're going somewhere. In chapter 11, it talks about this. It says this, O Lord, verse, one and chapter, verse chapter 1, verse 11, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, talking about the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. And then it goes about here, and he goes about how he goes before the king, and the king sees his sadness, and the king says, what's wrong? And and he talks to the king about the state of Jerusalem, and then he begins to ask the king for the resources and the time off to be able to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. Somewhere in this process, Nehemiah has heard about this, but not only had sympathy, but something had so got on the inside of him that he thought, maybe I'm the guy to do something about it. Somewhere in this process of prayer, hearing, fasting, praying, he began to get a vision for what it could look like for the walls to be rebuilt. Because when he goes to the king and asks the kings for the resources, he's beginning to think about what it would take to rebuild the city. 
It's not just, he's practically, strategically thinking about what it would take. Point number one today, what things move God's heart that move your heart? If you read, it's interesting here. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 18, I'll just read it to you quickly. It says this, do good in your good, pleasure to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. That's what it says in Psalms. So these walls being rebuilt were something that was close to the heart of God. I begin to think today, what's close to the heart of God? You know what's close to the heart of God? Broken, hurting people. Some people think that God is so angry and so they, they have this picture of God that God is a, an old man with a big stick when really when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, where was Jesus? He was found healing the sick, setting the, the people who were tormented free, healing the, the brokenhearted people. You see, God has a heart bigger than you and I maybe could ever fathom. The Bible talks about the width, the breadth, the height, the depth of God's love. Can I say, even maybe that annoying work colleague, God cares about them and loves them even more than you do. <laughs> he loves them. He cares about them so much. I was hearing the testimony of a, of a woman in, in Korea, and she had seven sons and one daughter. And her sons were very good reputation to the family, but this daughter was just, she was a, a, a naughty. She was into a whole lot of things that were inappropriate and she brought shame upon the family. And her mom was so angry with this daughter. She was so, whenever she would see the daughter, think about the daughter, she was so mad with this daughter and how this daughter was behaving. She went to her pastor and said, I'm pastor, I'm so mad with my daughter. Oh, I'm just, and the pastor said, I want you to see your daughter through the cross. I want you to see her forgiven I want you to see her set free. I want you to see her restored. I want you to see her living a holy life. At first, all she had was hatred towards her daughter. But as she saw her daughter through the cross of Calvary, her heart began to fill with compassion and love for this beautiful daughter. And one of the things that changed the daughter's life was when that she saw the eyes of her mother now filled with love, it changed her life. God can see the potential. We're talking about opportunity. God can see the opportunity and potential in people even when you can't see it. God can see the potential in children, sons and daughters. Come on, even when we can't see it. And we've got to learn how to see things through the love of a loving father and through the power of the cross. And Nehemiah began to have a passion to see these gates rebuilt. He began to have a passion to see these gates restored and, and this, the walls rebuilt. And he went to Jerusalem and, and you can read the whole passage through. And he went there by night on his, on his uh, horse and he began to, to look at the walls. He began to look at the state. He began to see it. And then eventually he began to cast the vision to the people. And the Bible talks about how the, the people began to rebuild these walls. In the book of Nehemiah, there's long lists of people who work together on different parts of the walls, different families to rebuild the walls. Can I say the second thing that God is passionate about is His church. Jesus said He will build His church. That's exciting. But you see, the way that God works is He doesn't work just through methods. He works through people who understand His ways and His heart. The way that God builds His church is through you and I. It's through people like who just got engaged, Jess and Akenna. Congratulations. <laughs> that was great last week, but this week, come on, we need to amp that up. Come on. <laughs> so exciting. Jess, you're walking around like this, are you? So exciting. Getting your dress prepared and invites out and venues. It's going to be great. So, people like Oddwell and Esther, come on, who run the prayer on Wednesday night. That builds the church. 
Come on, it's people like Sunette who are here 8, 10, and 6 every Sunday. Bringing out the pulpit, putting things down, making sure the venue's clean, making sure things are in order. You know, it's people like Dieter and Shirley who, who bring faith to every meeting. They bring faith. They bring a belief that God can do something great. There's people like Bev and Seraph, and I'm just picking on a few people today who have been pastors for many years, pioneering a great church, building the house of God in Australia. It's wonderful. It's exciting. But, you know, great churches are not built just through great pastors alone. They're built through great congregations, strong congregations who will stand together. And in Nehemiah, in chapter 3, there's just name after name after name of families, of people who are committed to build the walls. You know, and when you come to a church, one of the things that can happen is you can start to see the needs. If you're someone who's moved with a heart of mercy, you'll start to see people who aren't being looked after properly. You'll start to say, what can the church do more for the city? We're not doing enough for the city. You get me? If you're someone here who's prophetic, you'll start to say, Josh, why isn't there more prayer? Why isn't there more worship? Why isn't there more fasting in the church? Come on, why are people crying out? Why? Because God's put that on your life. Other people are going, it's just a little club. It's just a little social club. When are we going to reach the world? You know, you know the, the evangelist says, why are we even having church here? Let's take it to the esplanade. <laughs> you know, why, why are we doing Because God puts these things in your heart and on your life so that you can be used in the building of His church. And often the things that you see are the things that perhaps God is calling you to fix and calling you to build. You know, I, I know for me, I came into this church many years ago and I saw there was so few teenagers and I was 18, 19, I thought, what could it look like to see Freshwater Church full of teenagers? You know, and I began to go into the schools and tell them and invite them to youth group. I began to invite them on Sundays. I began to youth, run youth camps because this burning passion in me said, I think maybe God's calling me to do something about it. And it was amazing because as I built the church, God built me. He taught me the ways of faith. He taught me the ways of prayer. He taught me how to walk with God. But come on, what are you building? When you look back in 100 years' time, what are you saying? I, I, I was that person, come on, that every Sunday you found me by the coffee machine, not only making coffees, but I was having words of encouragement for people. I was praying for people. I, I was seeing the person who looked uncomfortable, and I was making them feel. What has God called you to build in the house? <laughs> yep. The third thing that God has a heart for is bringing heaven to earth and to build and, and to make things happen. But as these people began to build these walls and build these gates, there was a few challenges. There was people who didn't like what they were building. There was obstacles and opposition that they had to come. And, you know, as we see, come on, Freshwater Church, dad, my dad's passion, our senior pastor, his passion is to see our church go to a 1,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I believe it. Yeah. There's about 80,000 people in Cairns who don't have any faith. They're just agnostic. 80,000 people. I think we could take, come on, one of those thousand and bring them into the kingdom of God. We could bring, but there was an opposition and, and we'll find that there will be literal opposition and there will also be spiritual opposition to us building. And I want to bring out two points of this opposition that you and I and your family will need to overcome to see what God's put in your heart and the compassion and the heart He's put in your heart to be able to see those things come to pass. And it talks about here in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're just going through it fast. You ready? It says this, but it so happened when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, chapter 4, verse 1, that he was furious. Doesn't that sound like the devil? You're people are beginning to worship. People are beginning to know the, the love of God. The enemy's getting mad. <laughs> he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Doesn't that sound like the enemy? 
You'll never do it. You'll never achieve it. It'll never happen. Come on, church. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah an Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break it down their stone walls. So they're mocking them. They're making fun. You know, even if a fox climbs up their wall, it's all going to fall down anyway. And it says this, Here, O our God, for we as despised, Nehemiah praying here, turn their reproach on their own heads and give them a plunder to, to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now when it happened, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Arabs and Amorites and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, and they and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. You know, one of the biggest times that you have to be on guard is when you're halfway through something. When you're halfway. Isn't it like that? When you're halfway through whatever it is, that's oftentimes where there can be an attack. Come on, halfway through your life, Pastor, it talks about. When, what's that, a mid, middle life crisis? When you're halfway through, sometimes the enemy can come and try and hit you out. But, and it says that he tried to sow confusion. And what they began to do was they began to sow threats. They began to threaten them. They began to sow these lies. They began to try and confuse them. But Nehemiah was not phased by the lies or the confusion of the enemy. And they continued to build. And if you go on to read, it talks about it in these next couple of verses. It talked about how they had their workman tools in one hand. I'm a left-handed person. Any lefties in the room? Come on. And they began to build. But it says that they also began to have a sword on their belt ready to fight. You know, and this is what it's like when you're building the church. Come on, this is what it's like when you're building that business that God's called you to. This is what it's like when you're building a ministry that God's placed in your heart to help people. You've got to have your trowel in one hand. And you've got to have your sword ready at all times. What does the Bible call our sword? It calls it the Word of God. What does the enemy do? You're hopeless. What do we do? God is with me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. <laughs> the God says, everyone else can do this, but you haven't got what it takes. You say, I am called of God for such a time as this. And you begin to get that Word because the, the, Bible, the, the devil realizes that if he can get at you and he, if he can take the Word out of your heart, you'll be like jelly. But if you can get the Word of God, a dream in your heart from God, a vision in your heart from God, then come on, He knows that, that, that if that's from God, it will overcome the world. And Nehemiah and you, I'm just, this is one of those messages where you get to be a youth pastor, get to preach real man. And Nehemiah knew that if God had put it in his heart to build this wall, nothing the enemy could throw against him would stop him. Come on, and if God's called you to run the children's ministry, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on, if God's called you to run the youth ministry, come on, you two, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And we will build, come on, what God has purposed and placed in our hearts. So we need to be people, come on, who keep that sword up, keep it on the fight so that no confusion can be thrown. But it goes on here and it continues. And later what happens, and, and just I'm being aware of time, but it goes on and then the second attack that tries to come against Nehemiah to shut him down. 
was that, was that what happened is they realized that they couldn't discourage them, that they couldn't confuse them. So what they decided to do was they decided to distract them. And it says this in chapter 6, we're going somewhere. And now it happened when Sambalot, Tobiah, Gesem, and the Arab, and the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no breaks left in it. Wow, they've done it. The Sambalot and Gesem sent, me to, sent to me saying, come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me harm. So I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why would the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Brother, they sent to me this message four times. And I answered them in the same manner. Then Salbel sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time, when the open letter in his hand. And it was written, and it goes on there. But it talks about then, I think it's here in verse 8. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you are saying being done, but you invent them in your own heart. And it goes on to talk about there. You can read it for yourself. I know I'm going somewhere there. But you see, because the enemy couldn't stop them building, what he tried to do was they tried to distract them with pleasure and say, come meet with us. Come meet us in this other place. Come and do this. Because he couldn't stop them building through discouragement, they started to do it through distraction. And that's the second way that the, the, the enemy can stop you and your family building is just by distracting you. Just come down to the field. Just come do this. And you've got to have a discerning heart, a discerning life to discern what's just a distraction and what needs to be my priority. What things in life are the most important things and what things are just pure distraction. One of the things that I'm doing at the moment in my life is I'm looking into the commands of Christ. Some people say there's 49, some people say there's more, but all the things that Jesus doesn't say, this is a good idea, but He commands us to do these things. And one of the things that in there you can read about is that Jesus doesn't want us to get our eyes on what everyone else has, looking at their stuff, but just keep building and being the person that God has called you to be. And I know as a young man, it's so easy, isn't it? Come on, guys. Do you see that person drive past you in that brand new truck? I'm just speaking to all the 20s and 30s for a moment. You're like... Oh, that is such a cool truck. Or, or you see one of those beautiful BMWs, and if you've got the finance, that's lovely, but you, know, you see one of those and you think, maybe I could just get a loan. Just get a really, and, and, I real, and, and many people then have beautiful cars, but I know for me, at my point in my wage, that would be me going outside. Yeah. I, I'd be me wanting what other people think, but I love my CRV, come on, my Honda. It goes, come on, that V6, come on, low on fuel, fuel economic with those leather seats that was a gift to me from God. And who knows, maybe one day I have a BMW. But you know what? I'm not chasing a BMW. You know what I'm chasing? Building the house of God. You know, I'm chasing people restored to the purpose and the call that God has for their lives. And as I seek first the kingdom of God, let's just let God be God in my life and see what He does, you know, and, and enjoy it. You know, if you're here with a beautiful BMW, um, just walk past it in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> and see, but you've got to run in your own lane. You can't be distracted by others. What has God put in your hand to build in this time and in this hour? Do not be distracted and do not be discouraged. Can you see the walls being built? Come on, can you see that youth ministry of 200 students? Come on, can you see that children's ministry of, come on, 400, 500? Come on, what can you see in God? Come on, business person. Come on, school student, teacher. What can you see that God's put in your hand to build in this time and in this hour? What mission will you go on for God that you go, this is a life that I live for God? I love the very end of Nehemiah, and we're going to read it as the worship team come. And as we wrap up, what a great Sunday. It's so exciting. Come with me to the very last chapter. And it says this, last line, last sentence of Nehemiah. 
This was Nehemiah's prayer. Remember me, O my God, for good. That was the cry of his heart. That was the cry of his life. Now maybe we could just stand for the next moment. Come on, church. We could stand to our feet and say, God, here I am. You've given me talents. You've given me abilities. You've given me resource. Come on, if you're in an occupation that you believe God has called you to to make a difference, maybe with all your heart this morning, you could just say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Use me. Come on, school teacher. Use me to encourage the next generation. Come on, doctor. God, use me as I go into this place to reach the patients, but also the staff. Reach, use me, God. God, I want to be used by you. I want to be a builder of kingdom things, God. Give me a heart for what you have a heart for, God. Give me a passion for what you're passionate about. Lord, it comes from reading your word. It comes from knowing you more. And Lord, as I prayed about those two distractions today, they can be big ones. Come on, confusion. Come on, if there's confusion around your mind, let's speak to it right now and say, we break the power of confusion in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, confusion around purpose, confusion around calling, confusion around destiny. We break the power of it in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, for those who are just distracted today, they're just distracted. Come on, sometimes distraction looks like fear, it looks like anxiety, it looks like worry. God, today we set our hand again to build. We set our lives again to build. We set our lives, God, as we build the things that you're passionate about. You build us. You work in our hearts and you work in our lives. God, remember us today as families. Come on, all across Cairns. Your church, God, lovely people, good people. Remember us for what's being built in this town, in this hour. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.